and what I'm able to do in the life of the body of Christ, it changes. When I was young, I was able to perform certain roles in this church that I can't perform now. Now in this season of my life, I'm, I'm serving as pastor. In, in a later season of my life, I perhaps will offer something very different. What we offer throughout our lives changes, but, but still the same. We are all together, believers, old and young, we are the, the church. Now, the other part of this that we just have to get used to and understand is that God has this real, real uh, attraction toward young people, toward children. Remember how Jesus would, would draw the children up around him? Remember how Jesus stood the child up in the middle and said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You understand? So there's something about the heart of God. He just loves children. God always has a shine toward the next generation, the young generation, and he is always calling them in. Always, always, always. So even though we're always the church, young and old together, there is this, this, this constant draw toward bringing in the children, bringing in the next generation. God always wants to fill the church up, fill the kingdom of God up with children, with young people. You understand that? It's very, very difficult for us to recognize that. But, but you've got to see that in any church that, that you can look at, any church you visit, if there aren't young people there, you can pretty much count on the fact that you go back in 10 years and that church won't be there. I mean, you understand? A whole lot of churches are only about 50 funerals from shutting the door. So there is this imperative to make sure that we're constantly following the heart of God and bringing in the younger generation and recognizing their place among us. We are the church, all believers together, old and young. Absolutely. So for the purposes of this sermon, I want to talk to young people first, then I'll talk to old people. Some of you, you know, are old and think you're young, so I don't know how you'll listen, uh, but uh, figure it out, if, if you will. I'm gonna, I want to talk to young people first. Um, we really want you to understand that you are the church. We really want you to understand that, but, but we want you to understand that, that you are not the church of tomorrow. Now, people say that, oh, children, they're the church of tomorrow. Wrong. They're the church of today because the church of today is the only church there is. Did you see that? The only church there is. There is no church of tomorrow. There's only the church of today. And so please understand, young person, children, you are a part of the church. You're part of the church now. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. And we want very much to help you find your place here. You're like young David coming into the battle, finding the, the, the people of God, the, the king, the, the ruler. I mean, all, all of these people here in their positions. And David, all he wants to do is come and find his place. And, and we want you to do that. And we don't want to do to you what they do to David in this story. So let me just talk to young people for a moment. I, I see two dangers. As you try to make your place in the people of God, I think there are two ways that this can go badly. And I want to warn you about those and talk to you about those. And, and here's the first one. In coming into the body of Christ, your dreams might get crushed. I don't want this to happen. It grieves me when this happens, but this is a real possibility. Your dreams can get crushed. David's coming up to the battle, right? And David is able to see what, what the old people apparently can't see. 
I mean, for one thing, you've got the army of the Lord. I mean, all of these men, grown men, trained for battle, apparently seasoned warriors. They're there on time. They're at their stations. They're suited up for war, but they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. They're not fighting. They're all sitting up there under trees, you know, checking their phones. I mean, nobody's fighting. The, the giant Goliath is out there, you know, issuing taunts and insults against God and God's people. And, and the very army of the Lord is just sitting there on their hands. And David just walks up and says, what is going on? Why are you letting him do that? I mean, David can see. He, he has this amazing ability to see. He can see what they can't see. He can see what King Saul can't see. He sees a giant that needs being dealt with. And, and David completely assumes that, that he's up to the task. He'll do it. Nobody else wants to do it. David says, I can do it. He's got this incredible vision, this incredible dream of victory. But at that moment, it's like they all gang up together. I mean, these guys who had no fight in them, they find all the fight in them when David walks up. And the only thing at that point they can find to oppose is the, the young man with a vision for victory. They gang up and put him back in his place. Tell him he's just a boy. Tell him to go back home. Go back home and watch, watch Paw Patrol. In a couple of years, come back when you're a man. You understand what they do to him? Your boy. Your boy. You got no place here. Understand? That boy has shown up with a vision which nobody else has had for apparently years. They need him. They need his vision. They need his courage. They need his fresh eyes. And this is what I'm saying to you young people. We need you. You see what we can't see. You see all the ways that we've sort of stopped doing all the things that we say we're here to do. You can see it. And you're ready to go. You're ready to roll. But the danger is your, your dreams get crushed. I'm sorry that this happens. God help me. I don't want to be the pastor who does this to you. This is the 8.30 service, cafe service. We'll meet in the middle hour. Then at 11 o'clock, this stage is giving over to children's-led worship. It'll be awesome. Children will preach. They'll sing. They'll do all sorts of things in order to lead the congregation in worship. It's, it's fantastic. I just don't know what happens between there and sometime later. Because okay, children's led worship, you know, often will have multiple preachers because they all want to preach, you know. They all want to preach. And they all want to sing. They all want to dance, you know. It's like the problem is, you know, trying to fit them all in because they all want to be active and included. But, but somehow, you know, let's just, we'll take this service, for example. Right now, if I said, who else wants to preach? Come on. Who wants next week? Man, y'all be looking at the floor. Right? Who wants to sing? Brother Rod says, come on, let's fill the choir. And you look up here. It's, you know? What happened to you people? What happened to you? Well, it's just what happens, and it happens young. And the devil kind of makes sure it happens young because this is where you're vulnerable. If he can teach you early that it's not worth it to dream, that dreams just get crushed, then he can sort of take you out for the rest of your life. You will be a worthless, useless old person. For your whole life, even as a young person, you'll get old way before your time because you stop dreaming dreams. 
David steps out with this dream. David steps out with this vision. David has courage for victory, but they all just gang up to put him back in his place. Your dreams might get crushed. God forbid that we crush dreams. I don't know why in the world as an older generation we just become vision squashers, but we do. Young people have lots of ideas, do they not? I mean, they just got ideas and they got vision. So what do they need from us as, as the next generation, the older generation? What do they need from us? What did David need from these people? Now, now, first off, kids have a lot of ideas. So let's just be honest. They need our wisdom. As older folks, they need our wisdom. They have a lot of ideas. They just don't know which of their ideas are dumb. And some of their ideas are dumb. You know, like if we just went with all the ideas of the kids, like they'd have it fixed probably like where you could text the ushers and they'd deliver you pizza. Uh, I, I mean, it ain't happening. It, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you think a good idea, right? Yeah, at this point, I'm not gonna throw out any more dumb ideas because you folks will just like them. Um, cup holders in the pews, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, good idea. Yeah, no, no. Um, Spinners on the van. Uh, if, if you just let, you know, youth, if, if we went with all of their ideas, you know, some of their ideas would turn out not to be good. But they have ideas. Y'all been to a family meeting around here? Sometimes it's pretty obvious these people ain't got no ideas, you know. They ain't got no ideas. If you got an idea, we were ready to vote it down. But uh, no ideas, you know. Man, youth have ideas. They really do. And they have vision. You have vision that this church needs, young person. And as the older generation, we just can't become the vision squashers. The, the, the biggest danger of all, and it breaks my heart, is, is this one. Young person, you might drop out. It's terrifying to me. In this service, we just dedicated little Everly White, you know. And we made this promise to her for her whole life that we would be her church, that we would be here for her, that we would work with her parents, and we would do everything we can to, to come alongside the little girl and make sure she walks with Jesus for her whole life. I, I mean that promise. And it just breaks my heart to, to see kids drop out, but they drop out. We have kids graduating high school today and next weekend. And, and, and most of our teenagers have grown up in youth group and in Kids for Christ and, and, and all of these things. And they don't probably think that they're going to drop out, but, but, but something just happens. It, it just happens. And, and inevitably, they, they drop out. Uh, let's talk about that. Why do young people leave the church? Why exactly does that happen? Uh, I would give you two reasons, and, and they're related, obviously. First off, they don't feel the church is essential to their lives. Somehow, in, in 17, 18 years of being trained and discipled in your typical church, the typical young person makes a conclusion that I don't need that. Now, that's devastating, but they just do not feel that the church is essential to their lives. And the second part of that is they don't feel that they are essential to the church. You know how David walks up and they say, go back home, watch Paw Patrol, boy, and come back, you know, later when you're some kind of man. And they're saying they really don't want to wait around to be a part of it. They really don't want to wait around to serve. They want to engage the battle now. They've got vision now. They've got energy now. Let's don't make them sit on the sidelines when they got energy and then we wait till they're older and, and then some of you are older and you don't got any energy now. 
you know? And so let's take advantage of of the young people now with their ideas, with their energy, because they make the conclusion that that they don't need the church and the church doesn't need them. And and it's devastatingly wrong. You need the church. We, We need you. Let me give you some numbers. I'm never good at remembering, so let me, let me just read them. Uh, recent statistics, uh, 80% of high school students in the church say they never plan to stop going to church. Isn't that awesome? 80% of high school students in the church say they never plan to leave the church. But more than two-thirds of them will drop out between the ages of 17 and 22, and most of them between the ages of 17 and 19. Two-thirds will drop out by the age of 19. They are gone before the end of their freshman year in college. We've seen it happen, y'all. We're not just talking about other people's churches now. We're talking about our church. Presently, there's uh, something like 16 million Southern Baptists, but we're on the decline. At the present rate of decline in our children's lifetime, my son's lifetime, that number will probably fall to 4 million just at the present rate of decline for, for our grandchildren, there'll probably only be about a million Southern Baptists left. And by the time of our great-grandchildren, maybe 250,000 Southern Baptists. Um, I mean, the point is, man, Christianity in the United States is just dying one generation at a time. It's devastating to think, young people, that you could, that you could drop out, that, that after everything that you have Uh, experience in our church and everything that we have poured into you that you would make the conclusion that you don't need us or that we don't need you. So so let me talk to the, let me talk to the old folks for for, for a minute. Um, I want to talk to the to, to the older generation and I include myself in this apparently because the AARP is sending me mail. Um, I said this before, but let me, let me just say it again. If all we offer young people is the church of tomorrow, they know they're getting ripped off since there's no such thing. They know they're getting ripped off. See, the thing is, this is what they did to us. Don't you remember? This is what they did to us. Do you remember being young? Do you remember? Try. You remember being young and growing up in church, those of you who were in church as young people, do you remember how hard it was? Do you remember just begging, you know, could we just please sing Pass It On one time? You remember that? And it's like nobody, you know, it's just like, what? You know, you remember how hard it was to, to get them to sing one of your songs? You remember just how you just get so frustrated? I remember a time in my life as a young person when I would leave church on Sunday night at Woodburn and some buddies, we had a Bible study in town. Like I'd leave church and go to a Bible study. You know, because for some reason the church was not feeding us, wasn't even trying. You understand? And the devastating thing is I remember that and I know what that was like and you do too. You remember being young and you remember trying to find your place and you remember being put back in your place. And what I'm saying is we cannot do to this next generation what they did to us. We don't want to continue that cycle. If all we offer them is the church of tomorrow, you know, and, and that's the message. We don't know what to do with you after high school. I mean, it's kind of what we say. So leave, get married, have some children, come back and then join our adult ministry. But, but we don't really know what to do with young people in, in the most important years of their life. We offer them the church of tomorrow so they pick up on that. They just come back later when we seem to know how to deal with their wife and their, and their children. 
It's devastating. They are not the church of tomorrow. There's no such thing. But now let me tell you this. You're not the church of yesterday either. Some of you are trying to be. You're trying to retire on us. It does not work. You understand? So David walks up and there's the, the, the present generation, the older generation, his brothers, his older brothers, the, the men of Israel, all they're ready to fight, but they're just not fighting. They're all dressed up with no place to go. They know how to fight. Apparently they're experienced in battle. They got the equipment. Old people always own all the accessories. They got everything, man. They got like, you know, Cadillac tanks. They got really nice, you know, uniforms. They look sharp. All sitting there under their trees, not fighting. They've all retired. They've somehow left the battle, even though they're still on the battlefield. Which means at that point, if you're not fighting, what are you? If you're wearing a uniform, you're all dressed up, you're there, you're in your place. Week after week after week, you show up, but you've retired? That's not helpful. You're not the church of yesterday. Not the church of yesterday, because there's no such thing. The church of yesterday is gone with yesterday. It's the church of today. You're in it. We're it. All of us. It's now. So you can't sit around waiting for the second coming of Vestal Goodman or, or Amy Grant. I throw an Amy Grant there, y'all. I saw the preview. One of those Gaither reunions. You know, there's a reason why the Gaither reunion always comes on PBS right before the Antiques Road Show. I'm not kidding. Because they're both antique road shows, right? And I think that's real funny till I've seen the new advertisements. Who's in the group? Stephen Curtis Chapman. It broke my heart. It's like on the Stepford Wives, you know, when all of a sudden at the end, they've got like, you know, Elizabeth Montgomery. And you're thinking, no, no. I mean, it's like all of a sudden they've got like my generation. Up there with, you know, Jay Kess, who's, you know, like the crypt keeper. He's been preserved, you know, for the, you know. That's like Stephen Curtis Seven and Michael W. Smith, with, who's had plastic surgery. It just breaks my heart. I, I mean, yeah. Um, there's no church of yesterday, y'all. I mean, we're all, if you're still kicking... To church of today, and we're in it, and we have to figure out what that means. But, but there's just no going back. There's no going to be no going to be a second coming of Michael W. Smith. You know, it, it doesn't work. We're, we're just we're, we're not the church of yesterday. We'll never be the church of yesterday, not at all. But, but, but here's some dangers for you. You might trade your dreams for flashbacks. You see the pattern here. Remember what I told the kids? Their their, their first danger would be what? Dreams would get crushed, and, and the same thing happens to you, only you, you trade your dreams for flashbacks. And you cannot give up dreaming about what tomorrow could be. Because the moment you start thinking that all your best days are gone, or, or even worse, the moment you start thinking that all the church's best days are gone, I mean, there's no retirement. It doesn't work that way. I, I know that you're not always able to do what you used to do, but, but just don't even think about what you can't do. You think about what you can do. When God is finished with you down here, he'll take you on up there. If you're down here, you're still a part of the church of today, and, and you have a purpose. You trade your dreams for flashbacks. Oh, it's just so... 
I hear people say, man, I love that worship service. That just really took me back. Man, our goal on any Sunday is not to take you back. We take you to the throne. We take you forward. We take you to the king. But we don't take people back. That can't be what you live for, to go back. You can't trade dreams for flashbacks. You can't. You can't do that. And at the same time, you can't impose your old flashbacks on the next generation. They're not living in your world. So the word of David, you know, arrives up there to King Saul. Who is the king? He's supposed to be himself the shepherd of the flock of Israel. He should be out there protecting the flock. That's part of the underlying symbolism of this story. David is the shepherd who's brave and protects the flock. And King Saul is supposed to be the shepherd who's completely, completely impotent. In the castle, muttering around, you know, mumbling around in his house shoes with a battle going on that he's not even a part of. But he hears about this young whippersnapper out there who's talking brave. He says, send him to me. So David comes into King's castle and King Saul starts off talking to him and says, boy, what are you thinking? Boy, what are you thinking? That giant's been a man of war his whole life and you're just a boy. Don't you ever do that to a young man? I mean, maybe somebody did that to you back in the day, but don't you ever do that? And then he kind of gets with it. He says, okay, if you're going to go, I got just what you need. So King Saul, you know, goes over in his house shoes to his closet, and he goes pilfering through stuff, and he pulls out his old Revolutionary War uniform, you know, with a powdered wig and a musket. A bayonet, whatever. Here you go, boy. This is what you need. This is what I used to fight the Germans way back in 19, what, 1940. It was a a dark day, and they dropped us on the beach, and David's just like, what? I can't go in this. Man, you keep wanting to put the powdered wigs on them and the bayonets, and, you know, let me tell you how we did it. Well, the way you did it is useful. It's helpful. But David cannot go in King Saul's army. David is not going to fight it the way Saul fought it. David picks up five smooth stones. Saul would never in his life go into a battle with nothing but five smooth stones in a bag with a sling. But David's doing a new thing. I mean, the Lord is calling David. The Lord is moving and. David's going to do what Saul wanted to do, only David's going to do it in a way that Saul could never have imagined. Understand? I mean, we have to just sort of get behind them. When the young people come in and it's obvious, I mean, God's hand is on this young person. God's hand is on this young woman. We just got to get behind her. I would say often the easiest way to do that is just to fund them. In God's amazing economy of the church, the older generation has all the money and the young people have all the ideas and energy. So I think God's telling us something. You know, let's those of us with the resources sort of fund the ones who still can get up and go, you know, without grunting. <laughs> fund them, get behind them. But, but understand, if you trade all your dreams for flashbacks, if you just keep trying to, to tell everybody how it used to be and how it used to be so much better, I'm telling you, we don't get to go back. It may have been a golden age, but even if it were, nobody gets to go back. 
Our children, our grandchildren, we can tell them about it, but they'll never get to live what we lived. But they do get to live what, what they can live now. And, and we can make sure that happens. You just can't trade your dreams for flashbacks. And then the other danger You might drop out. The thing is, sometimes you drop out, but you keep coming. But you've dropped out. Woodburn Baptist Church is a family. And, and, and as you know, a family requires generations united. In, in this case, by the very blood of Jesus and, and by... A, Loving choice. We need each other. If we push the old folks out, you understand, then, then, then we've lost the family. If, if we don't bring the young generation in, I, and this tension is the tension with the church always lives. There's never been a moment in church history when this wasn't part of what we were having to do. God's always bringing young people in. So how exactly do we make that happen? How do we not let age, generations drive a wedge between us? Well, two things. The first from Scripture. This is the promise of Pentecost from Joel chapter 2. Understand what it says. I will pour my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Isn't that funny? Because we, we would put that different. We would want the old men prophesying. Put the old men up front and let them tell you all they know. Let the sons and daughters dream dreams because I just said kids got all kinds of dreams. But notice how the Holy Spirit kind of inverts that. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy with power from the Spirit. And the old men are going to dream dreams. And young men will see visions. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit comes and just brings it all together? Sons, daughters, old people, young people. And I love this part where you got old people and young people dreaming dreams and seeing visions together. Man, now that's a vision right there. That's the church right there. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to happen right here. You got old people and young people dreaming dreams together. Now, the thing about dreams, they're always about the future. You can't dream a dream about the past. Back when there were, you know, real television shows like Gunsmoke, you know, no, Miss Kitty ain't coming back either. Understand, it's all in the future. You, you dream dreams, you see visions. The Holy Spirit has this way of turning all of our attention toward what's happening next. That's the Holy Spirit's work. But because for the most part, old men and old women, we've been around longer, we tend to have a little bit more control about what happens in the church. So we have some choices to make that sometimes the young generation doesn't have. So let me make a suggestion. Why don't we choose to be hero makers for the next generation? Why don't we use everything that we have, everything God's given us, all of our wisdom and experience and our resources. Why don't we put all of that into seeing to it 
that, that the next generation in this church, that they, they can be better and do more and go further than we've ever gone. Why don't, why don't we make that our, our aim? Now, it doesn't mean that we give up and quit and retire. That, that's what David needs more than anything is to go out there and join those men in battle. In the end, David does it all by himself because that's, that's the only way apparently the battle's gonna be won. But, but there's a king and there's this entire army of, of older men who should have taken this young boy under their wing a long time ago. Shouldn't have to fight alone. Shouldn't have to fight with them as spectators. Understand, we can do this together. We can dream dreams together. We can do a lot of serving the Lord together. And that's a joyful and wonderful thing. Why would we not? I heard this old man talking about his old dog named Rascal. And he said the horrible thing about Rascal is watching him get old. When Rascal was young, Rascal would, would lay on the porch and he'd just sit up. He'd bust off the porch. He'd go down the backyard. He'd go down to the pond. He'd swim. He'd come back. He'd shake. Come back to the porch. He'd go out. He'd catch the squirrel. Come back on the porch. Bring you the carcass. Rascal was chasing cars. Rascal was chasing birds, digging holes. Rascal was the happiest redneck dog you ever seen. And then Rascal got old. That old black fur turned white, his face turned white. And Rascal just got to where you might as well just got a stuffed animal and laid it on the porch. Rascal's nearly dead. Old dog. Didn't swim in a pond anymore. Didn't chase nothing anymore. Didn't dig anymore. Just laid in a pile. The old farmer thought, man, it's going to break my heart when Rascal's gone. I'm going to get me a, you know, get a dog to love, so when Rascal's dead, I'll have the dog, you know. So he got a puppy. He got a puppy. And when the old farmer got a puppy, as it turns out, Rascal got a puppy. So what do you think happened when all of a sudden the old dog had a puppy? Rascal started coming off the porch. Rascal started swimming in the pond again. The Rascal wasn't as fast. Rascal couldn't catch the squirrel anymore, but he tried, and he's out there showing him how it's done. Rascal was digging. Rascal was running. Rascal had some really good years because Rascal the dog got himself a puppy. I guess what I'm saying is some of you need a puppy. You need a puppy. Not a four-legged puppy. You just need a young person in your life you need a young person in your life. You need a young person that you can make into a hero. Show them how it's done. Dream dreams with them. Tell them they can do it. One of the neat things about gathering for church is watching you come in. And, and I love to watch uh, you come through the doors because inevitably one of you will end up holding the door for the ones behind you. That's what we do as older folks, you understand? Our job is, is not to leave, not to drop out, but we hold the door for the next generation. We've got to hold the door open for them. Some of us have a hard time with that because when we were young, the door was slammed in our face. But no. We, King Saul's piling his armor on David. King Saul's thinking back, back the days when he was the hero. King Saul's never going to be the hero again. But he could be the hero maker. There's a young generation rising right under our noses. Let's do everything we can to see that they become heroes. Hold the door for them. Shine the light that they will stand in. Build a platform that they will stand upon. 
Sit back and let the sons and daughters prophesy. Dream dreams with them. There's no telling what they can become if we just get behind them. Pray with me. God, I thank you for the older men and women in ministry who loved me and believed in me when I was quite unbelievable. Thank you, Lord, for their patience. Thank you, Lord, for the way they have listened to me into being a preacher. Thank you, Lord, for the way they've shown me how to be generous with my time, with my abilities. Thank you, Lord, so much for a church like this. Lord, for years and years, it's been the, the way we've loved each other across generations that has made this church so special. It's still part of what makes it so special. Lord, even today, we dedicated a young baby girl, brought her into this congregation, Lord. We wait for the day when your Holy Spirit inhabits her heart, Lord. Until that time, Lord, we'll just pour into her. And then after she belongs to you, Lord Jesus, we'll continue to walk beside her. That's just what we do. She really won't grow up in the same world that we've known. She really won't even know the same church that we have known, Lord Jesus. She will know a new day and a new age. But, Lord Jesus, at the same time, she is a part of this church right now today, even as we are the church of today. So help us, Lord, to look into one another's faces and not see old, not see young, not see men, not see women. Lord, just help us to look into the faces of one another and see family. Help us, Lord, to see your Holy Spirit at work. Help us, Lord, to dream dreams together. Help us, Lord, to be hero makers together. Lord Jesus, I pray that as long as we live, whatever it is that you give us, Lord, that we'll always use it for the sake of others, and especially those, Lord, rising up underneath us, Lord. I pray for the young folks in this church, Lord, that they will continue to dream big dreams their whole lives. Never drop out. I pray, Lord, for the old folks that they will dream dreams for the whole of their lives, Lord, and that they won't drop out. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, who makes us one family. Amen.